Colby and I both enjoy expository preaching where we take a passage of scripture and we teach and preach from that passage. But as Advent has come, we're going to be going to different topics. And uh, like I think of the old country preacher, they said, are you a topical preacher, an expository preacher? He said, I just pick a topic and expose all I know about it. So uh, we're going to pick the topic of Advent and we're going to share this, uh, this season. I'm going to emphasize the word this morning, season, because this is a special time of the year, okay? And basically, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pump you up for Christmas, okay? That's my goal. We want to make Christmas a big deal this year at Alberta Baptist Church. Some of you are kind of like me. I've, we've kind of jokingly over the years, Teresa and I have gone back and forth because the minute we clean up the dishes from Thanksgiving, She's ready to put out the Christmas decoration. A lot of you are nodding your heads. You know what I'm talking about. And I said, oh, no, babe, we didn't do that. Let's go out the night before on Christmas Eve and cut down a tree and drag it home and decorate it and celebrate. You know, no, no, no. So this is a concession speech for me this morning, okay? I'm conceding that for years I have been wrong. We want to make Christmas a big deal this year at Alberta Baptist Church, and I hope that you will as well. We will use Luke chapter 1 as our springboard, so if you have your Bible, uh, turn to Luke, the first chapter. Now I want to read uh, a little earlier in the passage from Pastor Colby read, but beginning in verse 67. Again, we know Zacharias is the father of John the Baptist. When the angel came and said, you're going to have a son, and Elizabeth's going to have a baby. He, he, just, he was kind of dumbfounded, literally. He, did, he couldn't speak anymore. He didn't believe the angel. And so he couldn't speak until uh, John was born. And they wanted to name the baby Zacharias. And he said, no. You know, they came and talked to him. He said, no, his name's going to be John. And uh, you don't have anybody in your family named John. But Zacharias said, no, his name will be John. His father, Zacharias, verse 67, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. This will be significant as we come back to this in just a few moments. But Father, first we ask you, Lord, to do the work that only you can do. God, we pray that you would open our hearts, Father, to your grace and your mercy which is so evident during this season of the year. As you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, became a man and dwelt among us. Father, our minds cannot even begin to comprehend that. But Lord, we thank you that we can celebrate your coming. Lord, may we do it joyfully. May we do it, Father, with great excitement. Father, we want to celebrate for the glory of God and for the good of man. So, God, we pray this morning that you would speak to us in a special way, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Advent, as Colby said, it comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means to come. And this is an Advent season where we celebrate the coming of Christ as he has come to earth. We celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus. We celebrate the coming of God becoming a man. We celebrate the miracle of his birth And it is to be a time of joy and celebration and exuberance, if you will. That's not a word I use very often, but we should be excited this time of year. But I know there are a lot of you here today. When you think about Christmas, if you were to be totally honest, you would say, oh boy, here it comes again. 
We got places to go. We got food to prepare. We got gifts to buy. And we just kind of go through this whole litany of why we are not looking forward to Christmas. Okay? Can I, can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. Some of you are there. You know what I'm talking about. I want us this morning to forget all of that. Okay? And I'm not advocating this morning you've got to put up a tree if that's not what you've done. I'm not advocating you've got to do this or that. What I'm telling you today is that we need to get excited and celebrate the birth of our Savior. I mean, this is a wonderful season of the year. What I want to do this morning is tell you how to do it, when to do it, and why you should do it, okay? All right? Some of you say, I don't need any motivation at all. I am Christmas on go right now, okay? Katie's back there getting excited. Yeah, Teresa, same way. But some of us, need a little more encouragement, okay? So Advent, this season, reminds us. Here's what I want you to hear the rest of the Advent season. Advent reminds us that God is faithful to his promises, and he never forsakes his people. You know, our purpose at Alberta Baptist Church is to know God, to find community, and to live on mission. We want you to learn about Advent that God is faithful to his promises and he never forgets his people. Now, sometimes we think just the other, you know, the opposite, don't we? Think otherwise. But that's what we learn by the Advent season. So, four things this morning. Number one, we need to prepare our hearts to celebrate our Savior's birth. How? How do we get ready for Christmas? How do we prepare our hearts? Well, before I talk about how, let me tell you when. <laughs> when do you need to start preparing your heart? That's a question. When do you think? What do you think? When? Now, if you haven't already, you're late, okay? You need now to begin to prepare your heart for this wonderful season. How do we prepare? When do we prepare? Do we do it right now? We should have started yesterday. We do it right now. We begin to ask God to do a work in our hearts as we look at this special season of the year. You know, in ancient times, not ancient times, but in early church days, uh, two times of the year, the church really celebrated. It was around the resurrection of Christ and around the birth of Christ, the, the celebration of those two events. As a matter of fact, the church was so serious about these two events that they would begin preparation days up until, uh, up until both celebrations. And these days were set aside. They were marked by special services. The churches would have special services. They would have special activities, special prayer time, special disciplines that people would do leading up to the resurrection day and leading up to Christmas. These days were called holy days, days of preparation. What the church realized that these days were so special that they wanted to begin to prepare themselves beforehand for the celebration of these special events. So these days of services and discipline and fasting and prayer were called holy days. Now the term holy days has evolved into what? Holidays. Now do you see a difference there? What do we think about when we think of holidays? I mean, it just doesn't carry the the gravity of the word holy days, does it? But that's what we're talking about, preparing ourselves for the coming of the celebration, the celebration of the coming of our Savior. And so these are going to be, uh, we pray, holy days, days of personal preparation, days when we begin to ask God to prepare our hearts to celebrate this, uh, this special time. How do we do it? 
How do we celebrate? Well, I encourage you three ways. Number one, in your own personal time with your family, number two, and then take advantage of your church family, okay? In your own personal heart, as you spend time in work. Maybe some of you have had a hard time over the years being very consistent in your time with the Lord every day. And I say every day because it's important. But for some of you, that's not a reality. I understand that. Some of you need to begin by shooting for five out of seven, four out of seven. You know, I can spend some time with the Lord every day, but here's my point. We begin right now in our own personal time with the Lord in your personal Bible study. Get one of those prayer guys, begin to pray for our missionaries as they are serving Christ and sharing the message around the world. But get a devotion, an Advent book where you can begin in your own personal time, ask God to prepare your heart for this special season of the year. I know particularly on resurrection at Easter Sunday, I pray every year that that Sunday would be the most special Sunday of all Sundays. As people come to church who don't normally come to church, I believe people are going to come to know Christ. I believe that could be the beginning of great revival in our land when we have these special services where people come together at Christmas and at Easter. Uh, Unfortunately, that's the only time a lot of people come to church twice a year. But begin to ask God to prepare your heart for this, for this special time of the year, this special celebration in your own personal time. Secondly, with your family. If you have family with you, uh, your, your spouse, your children, uh, extended family, as you get together, I encourage you, you be the one who'll step up and say, you be the one who say, you know, this is a special season of the year. Again, I use that word season, these days leading up to Christmas. Let's remember what we're all about. Let's remember that Jesus, the focus on Jesus, as we'll talk about in just a minute. But in your family, when our children were small, we, we uh, tell everybody we have three kids. All of them are girls except one or two. It's going anywhere. They're, all of them are girls except two. Anyway, when they were small, okay, we would gather each night. We had a little... Uh, an advent tree, the cloth, what kind of cloth do you call that? Felt, yeah, felt, with Velcro dots on it. And we had these little symbols. We had 25 symbols. And each night we would read a passage of scripture, we would sing a song, and the kids took turn picking out a symbol and sticking it on the tree. Took about seven minutes because we know kids can't last much longer than that. We're not asking you to do a long, drawn-out thing, but with your family, with your family, beginning tonight, with your family, begin to talk about the coming of Christ. Make Christmas a big deal in your home with your family, okay? Begin to prepare your heart. Begin to prepare the hearts of your children and your extended family for the celebration of the coming of our Savior. And then thirdly, with your church family. There are a lot of things here going on at Alberta Baptist Church. Our emphasis this season is to remind you that God is faithful to his promises and God never forgets his people. We want you to celebrate with us as to all the things that are, are planned here at the church. Come and be a part of that. It's a great opportunity to bring other people into our worship services as well. So we need to prepare our hearts for the celebration of our Savior. We want you to make Christmas a big deal this year. Number two, we need to place a high priority on celebrating our Savior's birth. Place a high priority on celebrating our Christmas birth, uh, our Savior's birth. I hate to say this, but I know Christians 
who downplay Christmas. And they, they want to come at it from a, a variety of angles. They say, well, you know, Christmas, that's a mass. We don't do mass. Yeah, I've heard one lady say, we, you know, December 25th? Why then? We, we don't know that Jesus was born on December 25th. One lady told me that. No, we don't. But let me tell you something. Why not <laughs> December 25th? <clears throat> Uh, John R. Rice, Dr. John R. Rice, if you know anything about Dr. John R. Rice, he's very conservative. I tried to find one of the most conservative guys I could find. He's one of these guys, you know, that I, like I used to be so narrow-minded, a gnat could sit on his nose and kick both his eyes out, you know, just straight and narrow, you know, just right down the middle, you know. And so John R. Rice says this about observing Christmas on December 25th. Would you say that it's wrong to observe Thanksgiving on a certain Thursday in November when not all of our blessings have come on that day? Whatever the day, it is still right to have a time when we publicly thank God and as a nation officially express our gratitude to the Father of mercies for all his bounty, for all his goodness, for all his blessings. I mean, why that Thursday when we're blessed? Because it's a great time to come together. It's a great time to celebrate. It's as good a day as any other day to be thankful, and we should, and I hope you were this week. Instead of just, you know, focusing on all the food that we could eat, thanking God for all his blessings. That's the purpose of Thanksgiving. So he goes on to say, although I I do not know of any scholar who believes that Jesus was born on December 25th, it just could be the date on which the angels announced his birth. And here's my favorite statement in this whole quote. Dr. John R. Rice says, we love the dear Lord Jesus. We want everyone to remember his birth. We want to teach our children about the babe in the manger, about the wise men from the east who came to worship him. We want to teach our children about the angel's announcement to Mary, about the angel chorus that told of the shepherd, that told the shepherds of his birth. And he goes on to say, December 25th is as good a day for that as any other day. It is not wrong to remember the birth of Christ on the day which is as close as we can come to his birthday. I like that. Hey, December 25th, December, you know, many times as a family, we've had to celebrate on the 26th or the 24th when we could get all our kids together. And they're so scattered now. But make a special day. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating the birth of our Savior. We want to make Christmas a big deal. We want to teach our children the story of Christmas. We want to teach our children the glory of Christmas because it's a glorious event. I want to encourage you to make Christmas a big deal. Here's why we want you to make Christmas a big deal. George Whitfield. Somebody said, all you ever quote is dead people. He's dead. He lived a long time ago. George Whitfield was a great preacher, the first outdoor preacher, again, from years ago. But here's what Whitfield said about Christmas. He said, it was love, mere love. It was free love that brought the Lord Jesus Christ into our world. What? Shall we not remember the birth of our Jesus? God forbid. No, my dear brethren, let us celebrate and keep this festival of our church with joy in our hearts. The birth of our Redeemer, which redeemed us from our sin, from wrath, from death, from hell, shall be always remembered. May this Savior's love never be forgotten. But may we sing forth all his love and glory as long as life shall last here. 
and through an endless eternity into the world above. May we chant for the wonders of redeeming love and the riches of free grace amidst angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, without intermission forever and ever. And as my brethren, the time for keeping this festival is approaching, which is now, let us consider our duty in the true observation thereof, of the right way for the glory of God and the good of immortal souls to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, an event which ought to be had in eternal remembrance. I apologize for reading so long, but two things Whitfield says. Why do we celebrate it? Why? For the glory of God and the good of immortal souls. See, when we celebrate Christmas, when we thank God for his gift, we are worshiping God for his glory. We are worshiping God for something that he has done for us, who he is. He is a God who is faithful to his promises and never forsakes his people. And he alone is worthy of our worship. And so when we make Christmas a big deal, when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, it's for the glory of God. But secondly, it's for the good, Whitfield says, of immortal souls. What does that mean? It means that the gospel is the message of Christmas. Is it not? God became a man. God revealed himself to us through his son, through his teaching, through his works, through his words, through his death on the cross. He took our sin upon himself through his resurrection. He conquered death once for all, for all who believe for his promised return is our hope. And now he offers us his righteousness through his death. That's the gospel. And it begins as miraculous as it is with the story of a baby born in a manger, a baby born in a manger, surrounded by livestock and shepherds, surrounded by Mary and Joseph, attended to by a chorus of angels. I mean, that's a great story. It's a miraculous story, but it is the gospel. So why do we make Christmas a big deal? For the glory of God and for the good of immortal souls. Church, let me tell you, Christmas gives us the most powerful platform to influence the world. All around the world. By the way, we leave Tuesday, go into England to see our children there, and then go to Africa for the birth of our, our ninth grandchild. And we're, we're excited about that. But all around the world, our missionaries use American Christmas to communicate the gospel. What do y'all do in America? What's it all about? A natural story a natural lead into this, to the gospel. So we celebrate for the good of immortal souls. We celebrate for the glory of God. His righteousness is what we receive through Christ. That's the message that men and women, boys and girls need to hear all year long, but especially during the Christmas season. It was love that brought the Lord Jesus into our world. May this Savior's love never be forgotten. May we faithfully proclaim it this season of the year. May we be faithful this Advent season to make the celebration of his coming a priority in our lives. Ask God today to begin to prepare your heart for this event and then purpose in your heart to make celebrating this season a priority in your home, in your personal life, and in our church. The Advent for us is a special season of the year 
a special time. Number three, we see the patience required for the long-awaited Savior's coming. The advent for the Jews was over, it was centuries. <laughs> it was hundreds of years. Go back to Luke chapter one, verse 68. Zechariah says, for the blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. See, the first coming of Christ was foretold. And his coming was a long-awaited time, a long-awaited period of time. It's interesting, we've been, uh, you know, been studying the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered into the world, God promised that one would come from the seed of a woman whose heel would be bruised by Satan, but who would ultimately crush Satan's head. We see this enmity between Satan and man, and Satan would always be tempted. Satan would, as Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. There's that animosity, there's that enmity, but there's going to be one who would come. Satan would bruise his heel, but the one who would come would crush his head. That's what Jesus did. In fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3, we've been studying about Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation who would be a blessing to all the nations. It was from his seed that one would come who would make this international blessing possible. You think about that. How could that possibly be? One man could be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Revelation 5 tells us that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, there will be people from all over the world who will come and bow before the throne of the one who is of the seed of Abraham. Abraham, Jesus was a fulfillment to that promise made to Abraham. God promised David that someone from his family would sit on the throne forever and ever and ever, as the scripture said. How could that possibly be? Solomon followed David, and then they had a lineage afterwards, but then there would be one who would come from the lineage of David who would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, born in a stable, born in a manger, who would be king forever and ever and ever, who will reign forever and ever. This king, as Zechariah says here, would be in the house of David, his servant. Isaiah, just quickly, I'm not going to go through the whole Old Testament, but Isaiah said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9. So this long-awaited Savior, the people waited for the Savior to come until, as Paul said in Galatians 4, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, Galatians 4. This is the birth we celebrate this time of year. After long years of waiting, the the Savior came born of a woman, born in a manger, surrounded by shepherds and livestock, accompanied by a chorus of angels. The long-awaited Savior came that night in Bethlehem. God became one of us to redeem us from our sin. 
So we celebrate his coming. And as we celebrate his first coming, as Brother Colby says, we anticipate his second coming. Look at Hebrews 9, 28. Got that? So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Advent reminds us that God is faithful to his promises. God does not forsake his people. And God has promised, God has promised that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. There will be a second coming. So number four, we look forward to the promise of our coming king. We look forward to the promise of our coming king. In Acts, the first chapter, when Jesus had ascended into heaven, the disciples were standing there gawking, looking up. And the angel said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Church, that's the second advent. This Jesus, I mean, the disciples were there. They saw him ascend into heaven. They're standing there like doing what we would do, just looking. And the angel says, why are you looking up? He's coming back. He's going to come back just the same way that he went up. That's why Paul would write to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who fall asleep. Here's the key. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. You know, as I was thinking about this, we get excited about, I get excited about Christmas. We get excited about celebrating, and there's anticipation there. Church, that's the way we ought to be thinking and reacting to the second coming, is it not? We ought to be looking up. Hey, is it today? When's the Lord coming? We ought to be looking up with anticipation, with excitement, thinking about his second coming. Because there's a promise that he will come back. But church, this time when he comes, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. He came the first time as a lamb. The second time he comes as a lion. The first time he came to pay the penalty of sin. When he returns the second time, he comes to judge all sin. He came the first time to serve. The second time he comes to rule and to reign. He came the first time to open wide the door of grace to whosoever will. He comes the second time to close that door. It'll be too late when Christ returns. It'll be too late. But the door of grace is open today. He comes not to redeem, but to judge, not to save, but to pronounce a just sentence on those who are rebellious. You say, well, I'm not a rebellious person. Well, have you humbled yourself and given your heart to Christ? Have you turned from your sin, repentance, and placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be Savior and Lord of your life? If we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. One day when Jesus returns, Paul said it best in Philippians, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
If you don't know Christ today, today's the day. The door of grace is open wide, but one day it will be closed. For us as Christians, let me just say this again. Why do we make Christmas a big deal? For the glory of God and for the good of immortal souls. What a great opportunity to share the gospel with those around us during this season. Christ came as our long-awaited Savior. He's coming back again to rule as King. This morning, our prayer is that each one of you know Christ as Lord of your life. If not, you can come to know him today.